You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick, and we're here with Eric Cloutier, who's going to be DJing for us throughout the show. We're going to take a break in the middle for an interview, as usual. But for now, we're going to get straight into the mix with Eric Cloutier here on The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. Thank you. 
Carlo, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We're in the mix with Eric Cloutier. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a minute. I think we were figuring the last time you were here was the... It was the 303. March 3rd show, 2016 with Nobu. Nobu. That was a while ago. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't feel like that long ago. It's kind of the... uh, Says a lot about our aging process. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was just talking to friends earlier and I was like, man, I haven't heard that record in, and I'm used to saying years, but I, I thought about it and I was like, I haven't heard that record in decades. Yeah. I'm getting to the point where I'm saying, uh, That's, yeah, this is getting weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you start talking about tracks and you're just like, wait, that came out in 1994 and you think about it and you're like, that's a really long time ago. Yeah. But, like it's not in retrospect but it's still a really long time ago yeah (laughs) um so is it has it been since then that you started the label when did the label start the label started uh yeah i think the first one came out in like october of 2016 yeah okay so it's been it was after that show that i started the label and what was the motivation behind starting a record label it's a really stupid thing to do (laughs) (laughs) love your confidence love your um no i mean for anybody i just i'm saying this coming from i've spent uh i did didn't bother very much with financial reports for my label because i kind of knew that for the (laughs) most part things were losing money and i just did like all the reports and it's yeah, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's terrible, but it's not. It's not helpful. Yeah. I mean, I, I love doing the label. I'll continue to do it, but I think it's. It's a labor of love for sure. Yeah. That, the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I started it because I was getting sent music from a lot of people that were like, I don't know where to send this. I don't know who I should give it to. Like, who do you think would like this for a release? And some of it was just like, this is incredibly good music maybe I should just keep it and start it a label and put it on myself instead of like, oh yeah, let so-and-so put it out. And then I kind of kick myself for being like the A&R guy that got nothing. Out of right. It. So yeah, I'm, that was kind of the main reason, but I'm really slow with my production, as you know. <laughs> yeah. You were supposed to be the bunker number one. <laughs> we're now on 30. <laughs> yeah. About that. Uh, so yeah, it was also kind of like since I'm shit with deadlines in that sense uh, to just have like an opportunity like when I feel like something's ready I can put it out myself so that's why the first one was mine because I was like I made a few things and I was like you know what I haven't done anything except remixes which I get asked to do a lot right and those you know you have fun with remixes but it's like it's you can only do so many before you're like trying to please somebody else with with the production and right so many like uh, like revisions and I was just like you know what I'm just gonna trust my instinct and I was like if I think it's done I'm gonna put it out and see what happens and if I fall flat on my face well maybe I should listen to other people more right. often so you've been how long have you been in Berlin now? it'll be five years in March Jesus oh, speaking of time going by really fast yeah yeah I just had a friend who moved to Seattle Tim is like, how long have you been there? He's been there for like six or seven, seven. years. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, oh. <laughs> Oof. Oh, sorry, I never sent that housewarming present. <laughs> um, so how are you? I mean, I guess it's not even settling in in Berlin at this point. Kind of settling in. It, it, funny how's enough, it, though. Like, how's it feeling after five years? Funny enough, like, I was just talking about this the other day that, like, 
Sure, it's been five years, and theoretically, you should be well settled by then. But the first two and a half years, almost three years, was really like a steep learning curve and betting in process. And it just, it now feels like we've got a home and a routine and friends, you know, like a community and stuff. But that first bit was just kind of like trying to figure out stuff and spending a lot of time on Google Translate. <laughs> right. You know, so now it's kind of more. Like we're, we're comfortable and we know what to expect and it's not like such a every day is not like a random shock like oh my god what's happening now because it's all foreign so right. yeah i mean it's yeah i would say the last two years two and a half years it's been really more comfortable but that first bit was definitely was a bit harrowing in some capacity but you've at least you've pretty much been in that same apartment the whole time right or we've no? been in that apartment full idle once once march march rolls around It'll be, we'll have been in that apartment for four and a half of the five years. Right. So, and that's also a weird thing because it's like, it, again, it doesn't feel like we've been in there for that long. It doesn't, it seems to me, maybe I'm not correct about this, but as an outsider from Berlin, it seems like people kind of get an apartment and hang on to it there. Yeah, in a, way that, in a way that doesn't seem possible in other cities because of perhaps rapid gentrification and rent increases people are always kind of moving further and further out every couple years but it doesn't i'm sure there's some of that in berlin but it doesn't seem it seems like once you get a place you can kind of just well there's chill. there's no such thing as like like here when you sign a lease it'll say like two years three years and then at the end of three years you have to renegotiate and that's when things can go up dramatically or you yeah. decide to move usually on. one year honestly yeah new york but like in berlin when you sign a lease it's indefinite so like that's oh, why really and you're allowed to trans like transfer the lease one generation so that's why people have these rent control apartments that their parents got in like the 1950s for 300 euro and that's why they just hand it off to their kid and their kid pays probably now 400 euro so there's some of that in new york some of it but it's <laughs> definitely it's definitely not the standard it's not the standard and if you're in a rent control apartment in new york odds are your landlord does nothing because they want you to get out well, they hate, yeah, I mean, I, I dealt with this because I had an apartment that was maybe possibly going to become rent controlled. And I had a lawyer explain to me, he's like, once it becomes rent controlled, it's actually illegal for you to do any work whatsoever on your own apartment. Like you want to change out an oven, you want to put in a new door. You're stuck with if that. you, if your landlord finds out you did that, you can be. That's you absurd. can, you can, yeah, no, it's, it's absurd, but it's totally it's kind of like you want to pay nothing deal with that 1930s oven yeah <laughs> cool basically that's uh that's really yeah new york real estate it's oh they know how to get you huh it's awesome yeah um so let's see some other things that have happened to you since you've been on you closed Berghain, which is yeah i think from you know a dream for many i know you've played the club quite a few times but um maybe run us through like how you prepared for that set and how it <coughs> went i mean I played for, I think it was almost 10 hours for the closing. And you kind of have to be prepared for everything because there's people that go to the closings and that's all they do. That's the only thing they go to is the closing set. And they're a bit crazy about it. Like they have, there's actually like a private face Facebook group called the Berg Heinies. And these people think that they're the ones that actually control the DJ and not the DJ controlling the crowd. I've heard about this group, but I think I've intentionally never actually. Well, it's a private group, but like these people are vicious. Like they are absolutely vicious. And yeah, of course, like 
I played the way I play, which is, you know, kind of groovy and Detroity and funky, but still like harder and stuff like that. And there was a couple people that were just like, you don't know what you're doing. Like you, you're supposed to play super hard and aggressive. And I'm like, that's, I, I, they wouldn't have been asked to do the closing set if they didn't like the way I played. So right. I'm not going to just suddenly change it because you think that's what I should do. And it was just like, yeah, it was just a really intense after experience. Like during it, it was amazing. It was total time travel. Like I kind of put my phone down and didn't look at my my watch or anything. And all of a sudden it was just like, oh my God, I've been playing for six and a half hours and it felt like two. Like yeah. it just blew by. I mean, for that set, I'm not even sure what the, there would be some point, I guess, in looking at your watch, but. <laughs> I looked at the watch the because end, I had to go to the bathroom. Yeah, since like, the since the end time is not determined, I mean, usually when I'm playing a DJ set, I'm looking at my clock from time to time just to know yeah, how I much got an time hour I left. I got whatever. But did Bergheim, you could, I mean, it could at any time from six to like. Well, like they shut down upstairs, I think at six or seven a.m., and I played till eleven thirty or something like that. So, and like, and it was kind of frustrating because the guy, like the night manager, was like, "Hey, it's nine thirty. Gonna start bringing it down." So I start bringing it down, and then all of a sudden he's just like, eh, "Keep going for another hour." And I'm like, "God damn it!" Like I'm already working my way backwards, and now you're telling me to, to bring it back up. It's just like, it yeah, kind of frustrating. Yeah, but, that's like on a more micro level. I feel like a lot of. Sometimes when I'm playing a DJ set and someone's like, I eh, just play one or two more and it can be like, but that's, yeah, it was a so bit, just play one or two more hours. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it was super, it was a super <laughs> fun experience and I really enjoyed myself for sure, but it was exhausting. Like when it was done and I got home, <laughs> I was DJing is super, I don't know that people who don't do it, maybe, I mean, I don't even know how to totally explain it, but it's super, I guess be because it's so mentally intense. Well, especially Bergheim closing, it's like yeah. the focus and the intensity of all the people and everything. And it was just like, yeah, yeah. I'll, like I said, I got done and it was just, I was like, just give me a whiskey and <laughs> a taxi. I am done. Right. Um, so how did, how was it different? I mean, that seems like it's probably definitely the longest set you've played. How was preparing for that different than you would prepare for just your average club gig? Uh, well, I definitely had, I spent like a month going through records, like literally almost everything on my shelves and re-scanning like almost everything on my, my record box because, you know, I, I knew that there was something that I completely forgot in there. It was like, oh, I'm going to, it's going to, let's pull this out and like play it. But I also, when I knew that I had the closing set, because I played in May, they told me in like January. So I already mentally was like getting per, like tracks kind of making a playlist but like thinking of things like don't play this at any other Bergheim set like save it for your closing set like let it be like the track that you one of the tracks that you play your closing set because I had other Bergheim bookings before that right so it was just like nope I know you want to play it it's a really good record but wait <laughs> bring it out at the closing because that's going to be the one that you're going to really like remember and obviously you want to make a lasting impression with people so yeah there was a lot of that but there was I kind of took over our apartment with piles of records laying around and spending a lot of time going through stuff and yeah it just took for it took a long time for sure but like some people could do the closing set and it's high intensity for 12 hours but i kind of wanted to like weave a story into it and have it have peaks and valleys and stuff like that so it ended at a lot faster than it began and it had some you know trippy trancy parts and you know, I just was like, I'm really going to try and tell. I got 11 hours. It can't be 11 hours of the same thing. Yeah, no, that would be terrible. It gets really boring when people do that. Um, but, but the closing was also the only time I've ever seen the club 
with the lights on at the end of the party, which there's things you can't unsee <laughs> when those lights come on <laughs> at 11 in the morning. Yeah, I mean, I've been there because I've done opening sets both upstairs and down that stairs. So I've been there with the lights on at the beginning of the night. And it's, it's but spotless. I would, imagine, yeah, <laughs> I would imagine it's a different... Yeah, there's <laughs> like people start coming out of corners and you're just like, how, how, where were you? <laughs> like, like what, what are you hiding where in the basement? And what was going on? Yeah, and like, yeah, she's kind of had that Gollum vibe to it where people are like looking up at you all creepy. It was just like, okay, I'm ready to get out of here too. <laughs> And it's also frustrating when you go out and it's like broad daylight. People are on their way to work and you're, you stink <laughs> and like you're trying to put, like go past somebody. It's just like they're on their way to the office and you look like death. <laughs> right. And make a really good impression on the neighbors that way. Um, trying to think what else. So you started this, uh, these collaborative DJ sets with Jane Fitz. Yeah, we How did. How many of those have you done? We've done one, but we're really trying to find some other places to do more. Um, her and I have been talking about it for a while because we know that we're on the same page musically and we really respect each other as DJs. And she asked me to do uh, like a six-hour back-to-back with her at her residency at the Pickle Factory in London. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, Let's do this. Yeah. And I decided like I'm going to meet her on her territory. So we decided to do vinyl only. Because that's her medium of choice. I could have easily. She does some digital though, right? Or I've never seen her play digital. Oh, maybe not. I've never. I've only heard her play the one time she played at the bunker. And maybe I thought there was some. Maybe she had like one or two, but she's definitely not. It's not a 50-50 split. By okay. Name. Okay. So I was just like, no, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to do vinyl only. And then she surprised me because like we were just getting ready to start. And she was, I was like, so back to back. Like, what do you want to do? Two records, three records? And she's like, hell no. She's like, you're taking the right turntable. I'm taking the left turntable. We're going back to back. And I was like, okay. It's we're the very traditional back to back. This is, we're going to do it the regular way. And I was like, this is much better for me. And like, yeah. And it was just fun because we were really vibing off of each other. And people were going crazy. A couple people didn't understand the concept of shaking the dj booth in excitement because it's kind of oh, like yeah because yeah i played it i played there once we did a bunker there it's, yeah it's and it's small it's small but it's like kind of on wheels or dollies yeah and yep. you know this guy was just losing his mind and shaking it and like skipped the record like seven times and we were like dude if you're gonna have fun back up because yeah. <laughs> like, clearly have fun from one foot away from the booth and the rest of the club and we finally had to like find people in the crowd and we were just like just will you make a human wall <laughs> because this guy's clearly having a bit too much fun and he's gonna make this night really long and frustrating if he skips the record every like 30 seconds <laughs> but uh yeah we had such a good time and we want to try and do it again some other places but it's just a matter of coordinating our schedules and travels right so. and you're on the same booking agency now so which helps quite a bit so hopefully that'll help alex um, are you listening yeah <laughs> alex book us book us <laughs> um you also got married i did that's a thing i got married because you and Gracia, your wife, were talking about getting married for well, I proposed almost to her, as long as I've known you as a couple. We've been together for eight years, and I proposed to her right before we moved to Berlin. But we decided that we're not going to deal with like get, Jesus, dude. But we were like, let's get here. Yeah, it's a long engagement. Uh, we decided that like we wanted to get super settled and like make sure that everything was good before we went for the like the wedding route i don't know maybe she was looking for an escape or something but <laughs> um, but yeah we we just got married finally so that's and you both she's i mean talking to her a couple weeks ago she seemed super happy in berlin finally so it seems like you've both kind of found your well groove she, there we've both got something that's really working for us and we're feeling good about it and 
yeah, there's we're not we're not looking for an escape route at any point in time. Like it's definitely not going to be our final rest resting place. I don't think, but we've still got a couple more years to spend in Berlin for sure. Right? Are you guys? residents there now or how just on temp like temporary artist visas or we're just on work like you know freelancers visas uh i'm actually next time i go to renew i'm eligible to apply for a permanent residence visa or if i really feel cheeky i can get a german passport and renounce my u.s citizenship like so you'll see i don't know things are pretty awesome here right now president trump about that president trump's doing a great job we're killing it over here yeah it really wants me to come back with that <laughs> um, and I also have written down discog slash record collecting how much time and money per day. <laughs> oh, <God>. uh, <laughs> Gracia, close your ears. Yeah, she doesn't need to hear this part of the program. Uh, I'm probably record hunting in some capacity at least six hours a day. Like multiple tabs, multiple record stores download links yeah just like trolling i get like certain newsletters and i literally click on like every single link in the news i don't know why because you never know you know it's like i found some just really random stuff like that lobster record store that's in the uk oh yeah yeah oh, lobster theremin oh yeah God, they've got stuff that like i've never seen at any other store and it's just like yeah maybe i should pay really good attention to this one yeah i think a lot of the stuff that they're i know quite a few people who have labels that are distributed exclusively by lobster and i think a lot of these labels are pressing it, it reminds 200 me 200 records or something so i would imagine that they might literally not make it out of that store like some of them probably don't leave that store they probably just stay there it reminds me of dope jams more than anything because it's just like this hyper curated like really really good store so it's like if i see that in my inbox it's like oh yeah and there goes the next hour yeah yeah because i'm just <laughs> listening to everything so yeah there's a lot of time spent looking but uh obviously i haven't been buying tons of records because you know gotta pay for a wedding yeah <laughs> so yeah uh, but now that's done do that well <laughs> i'm married spend that wedding money. yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh goodbye i actually made that joke the other day and it did not go over very well. yeah. we could go on a honeymoon or, or check out my discogs want list i just kid. i just spent 700 euro at space hall i <laughs> need to take a taxi home <laughs> oh man um so with that i guess should we get back into the mix i guess we can do that yeah so we've got let's see about 45 minutes left here we're gonna get back into the mix with eric cloutier you're listening to the bunker new york on red bull radio you're listening to red bull radio
listening to Red Bull Radio.
you're listening to the bunker new york on red bull radio we're in the mix with eric Cloutier. have been for the whole show we've got about five minutes left here uh next up for the bunker we're doing our new year's eve bunker limited party it's actually the first bunker limited we've done in two years and that one is with uh starts with unjust and then primetime sets from Justin Kedmore and Antennas, and a very special closing set from Patrick Russell and Nahal Ramchandani. Eric Cloutier is going to take us through the end of the show. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. (laughs) 